Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I am Dr. Taylor Garcia, a doctor of chiropractic also based in Orange County, and I also use she, her pronouns. So before we get started today, I just want to say happy Pride Month to everybody. It is June. June is LGBTQ Pride Month, and we are so excited to be here celebrating. And so today we have a very special guest on to talk about LGBTQ plus families and special needs families and kind of the intersectionality of all of those. So today I am so excited to introduce you all to Ellie Mitchell. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Ellie, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Ellie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your background? How did you get into LGBTQ and special needs work? Yeah, um, I am a uh, single mom, um, a rainbow mom. I am part of the LGBTQ community. I got my bachelor's degree in early childhood education, gosh, 14 years ago in 2007. Um, And since then, I have worked as a um, public school teacher, as a preschool teacher, daycare teacher, um, birth doula, childbirth educator, lactation consultant, early childhood interventionist. Um, I've been kind of all over the spectrum of early childhood support and have kind of seen where, you know, parents kind of need some more support and how everything can kind of be brought all together. And it's just really kind of filled, you know, uh, a niche for me as wanting to bring more support to families that I feel like I could have used for myself when my kids are really young um, and to bridge that gap for other families. That's great. You really have kind of done everything when it comes to the birth community, it sounds like. Yeah, I've kind of been all over the place there. So among that list, what would you say has like, what about birth has lit your fire? What do you say you're most passionate about? Um, I actually had kind of a very transformative experience for my own uh, birth. I started um, kind of going into birth being very afraid um, very uneducated. I was very much, I had no idea what to expect. Um, I remember thinking like, I just want, you know, totally want it to be over with, you know, knock me out. I don't even want to be a part of the experience. Just get it over with. Um, I just want the baby to be here and ended up switching, um, at, I think I was about 36 weeks, between 34 and 36 weeks along, I ended up becoming part of a community in my area that really introduced me to um, what happens when you have a supportive network. And I ended up meeting a home birth um, midwife and a doula and birth photographer and switched to having a home birth wow. um, last minute. <laughs> and 
kind of really transformed my own thinking about being a part of really this whole experience and learning more and becoming more empowered and not having birth be something that happens to you that you're just afraid of and something that was to be dreaded, but something that could turn around and be empowering and that you're a part of and you can learn from and grow from and be stronger for. Um, and I really just find a lot of strength in that. And I've loved being able to work with other parents and other um, people that have had that transformation of feeling so overwhelmed and chaotic and being afraid and you know, struggling and helping them to realize the inner strength that they have and being able to just completely transform and turn around and see what they're totally capable of. I love that's, that so much. That's great. That's like just totally what we're all about. And we'll definitely want to have you come back on and share your birth story if you feel comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. But I have two home birth stories that are just completely um, just like, night and day from each other that I can totally share with you. Oh, we'd love to have you back on for that. Mm -hmm. So today we're here to talk about LGBTQ and special needs families. So what are some tools that you teach to parents of LGBTQIA plus families to help them strengthen their support? So when I work with families, I have five steps that I guide all families through. And my five steps are actually the same, whether they are going to be a family that is LGBTQIA+, special needs, um, zero to five, and then how it's going to change are going to be the resources and then tools and community that I'm going to help guide them towards for their situation. Um, so the five steps that I work parents through are that I'm going to help them to work through the options and advice that's available to them. Um, a lot of parents and uh, families are very overwhelmed by what is going on around them. What do the quote unquote experts say? Um, a lot of times, especially when they're younger families, um, they're just surrounded by well-meaning people that are telling them what they should be doing. And it's just so much noise all the time. And one of the things that I personally have found, um, and I, I live in uh, the South, so that can be, you know, my experience can, you know, be different than other areas that, you know, that doesn't always align with maybe what the area might would align with for your own family situation that it doesn't you have to find what advice what information are you giving that works for you because you don't need to listen to everyone so you we're going to work through the options we're going to find a community we're going to find the um the groups we're going to find the the networking we're going to find the um the other parents in the area that we can connect with. Um, if I can find the the LGBT the LGBTQIA communities in your area, then that's going to be the resources that I'm going to especially hook up with because those are the areas that are going to be the most beneficial for those parents to be looking for for other support in. 
Um, the step two is we're going to be working through learning to trust your intuition, because I believe that all parents are, they're perfectly capable of being able to make the right choices for their family. But over time, we've been made to feel that we can't trust ourselves. A lot of times um, we've been made to second guess our own beliefs, whether we've been told that what we're the way that we feel isn't correct or that it's not the quote unquote norm, um, whatever factors are influencing the way that you feel that have led you to not trust your intuition and are not aligned with your parenting goals, with your family goals. So just working through what is most important to your belief system, what's most important to your parenting goals when you're looking through those options. And then we'll the next step will be working through making them a decision as you're going through your parenting journey. And then we'll put those decisions into action and then turn that action into a plan that we can learn and grow. So really you can take those five steps and put them into anything, whether it's small everyday issues or even bigger issues that were to come up throughout this, throughout your lifetime. The more that you practice those five steps, the more that you are familiar with them, the easier that they become. And I'm coaching parents through them and guiding them through those through those steps. I like that a lot. I know um, my younger kiddo is uh, gender fluid, and mm-hmm. they uh, they actually came out to us when they were three, um, which sounds really young. Um, and I had a lot of really well-meaning people trying to tell me like, oh, well, they're three. They just don't. They don't. They don't even understand the concept of gender yet. They don't know who they are, and you know what? I went and I found community. I went to the experts. Um, Mm -hmm. I sought out a therapist directly through our local LGBTQ center. And I talked to them directly. And I was like, look, Mm -hmm. like, you know, how much of this, you know, could be attributed to pretend play and imagination? And how much, you know, is this real? And they basically said, by the time that your kid is age three, they totally understand gender. Yep. They understand, they know who they are, and they're very set in that. And if you can embrace that and support them from that age on, there is a much higher likelihood that they will experience life without the gender dysphoria, without the anxiety and the the trauma that can come with trying to suppress who you are. Um So that's, you know, that's something that I try to tell people, you know, if I, if I have anyone reaching out to me, who's like, you know, I, you know, I don't know my, you know, my kid is this age. I'm like, look, my kid came out at three, they're five now. And you know what? They're still the same. They haven't changed. They're still gender fluid. And you know what, if they decide at some point in their life that they want to, you know, quote unquote, choose one side and just be one, you know what? That's fine. But every step of the way, I'm going to be here supporting my kid. And that's, that's what's so that's important. What's, like that's exactly that's the important part is just supporting them, mm-hmm. regardless of what of what they choose today. You know. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the the big things that for me is my plan, like my five steps, I can apply it to anyone. I can apply it to any situation. What makes it different and what makes where I can specialize with working with the LGBTQIA plus community is that level of the personal connection that I have, being part of that community personally, that I can empathize. I don't need to have a special plan for working with a, a gay family, for working with a transgender family, for working with that's not that's not something that you need. I don't need special tools. What you need is someone that has the empathy, someone who can connect you with resources, someone who's understanding. Yes. I I hear you. I am also part of the LGBTQIA plus family community, like personally. So mm-hmm. I totally understand what it's like to go without support. And that was why I personally was like I'm not trans, so I don't know this direct experience. I'm going to seek people who do know this and find exactly. out, you know, what's the best way for me to go about supporting my kid who is, you know, non-binary gender fluid, but that falls under that same trans umbrella. For our listeners who don't know or don't understand, cis is you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth. Trans is mm-hmm. everybody else. You do not identify in some way, shape, or form with the gender you were assigned at birth. Um, So it really is a pretty big umbrella and captures everything from agender to gender fluid to trans, you know, all of, all of that is, um, all of it's under the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that personally, you know, if, if I have questions or I'm like, you know what, I don't know how to tackle this problem. I go right to the source. I go and I find, you know, I find my trans friends and I say, Hey, I need some help. I don't know what to do in this situation. Can you give me some feedback or can, you know, when, when those specific things come up, but yeah, finding that community was a huge portion of that for me is having people to go and talk to and get advice from, because I don't have all the answers. <laughs> yeah. I'm a mom. I don't want to admit that to my kids. But hey, you guys know we don't have all the answers. <laughs> and even just having other families in the same situation to relate to or in similar yes. situations. Yes. So keeping along the same topic, what are some common struggles that you have often helped with with LGBTQIA plus families? So the ones that I've seen, and again, this is coming from, you know, living in um, a very Southern area is that we really don't have a local community here. Um, I, that's something that, you know, when I was in college, we had a very small pride. Um, I, our biggest community that I ha- had was actually um, a, a knitting group. Um, it was our local stitch and bitch group is what it was called. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And it was like six of us. Um, and then after that, there really was no community once everyone moved away and living at the beach, it's very transient. So once your parents, like you're already isolated, um, you know, especially there was a period of time when I was like a stay at home mom. 
Um, and when I was trying to be a birth doula, like I, I worked from home and there wasn't that, there wasn't a large community. So then, then you're in an even smaller subset. You're just totally isolated. And then when you're normal or you're quote unquote normal, doesn't look like someone else, just not even being able to have that, like my daily struggles don't look like your daily struggles. Being able to bond with someone is really difficult. Um, just the discrimination, being able to, you know, how do you have that, those, um, conversations with your kids. I have friends who, you know, their children, they have to have conversations with their children that their family situation doesn't look like other family situations. Um, and what resources do they have that they can present to their kids and talk to them and have those conversations um, and make sure that their kids are feeling supported. Um, we had a situation, I actually had uh, a wonderful opportunity that I got to be a doula for a, a surrogacy for a, um, it was actually the coolest thing. It was an adopted, it was an embryo adoption for a lesbian couple um, that I got to be a doula for. And it was beautiful. It was a home birth, wonderful situation. Um, but when they had to actually do all this paperwork to like adopt their child, like for the, um, after he was born and do all this paperwork and just to be able to like do the paperwork and go to, to Columbia, like to see the, the mothers having to go on Facebook and describe their struggles just to even get into the office and be denied even to get into the office. And these were women that had resources and to see them be turned away in today's world was just mind blowing, you know? Yeah. Um, it just really totally blew my mind to have something that was so beautiful and so everything went so smooth until they had to do all like the final paperwork and the judges, everyone had signed off and all they needed was like, it was like a court and you'll have to forgive me because I don't remember the exact details, but it was like a clerk needed to give like a final signature. Like the judges had already approved it and they couldn't get a final signature. That's crazy. Because of someone's bias. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I, I personally have the belief that if you have issues with stuff like that, then there are certain jobs you shouldn't do. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was this big blow up about, I don't know, about a month or so ago with uh, on a birth photography page. And there was a labor mm -hmm. delivery nurse being like, why would you post pictures of this? This is what I do for a living. You know, I'm a labor delivery nurse and this is just gross. And we're just like, if you think this is gross, why are you a labor and delivery nurse? Yeah. Why is that yeah. your job? Like, yeah, pick a different field. And, you know, I, I, it baffles me. It completely baffles me 
But if you have an issue like that, a personal issue with some aspect of your job that's that big of a deal that affects your ability to do that job, like, pick something else. Yeah. Yeah. So just those are really, um, I would say, kind of the most common struggles or just the kind of having to deal with that being seen as different. You know, that when you walk down the street with your family, people can see that your family doesn't look the same or having to explain to your kid. Because when you're home, it doesn't matter who is in your house. Your family, your kids, everyone accepts you. It's when you're outside. That's where the struggle is. Um and it just depends on if you're in an area that's more accepting and more supportive. Um, and that's one of the goals. My So my business, um, I do virtual coaching. So I can work with someone in California, in Texas, in Florida, in South Carolina. Um, so I can work wherever. But I do plan on working locally, and I do plan on trying to build that local community as well, because I know that I'm missing it. Um, and I see that that's something that we're missing in this community, to have that local network. Um, and Facebook, for a little while, we were building that community, but it just kind of fizzled out, and I'd like to bring it back. Yeah, I know Taylor and I are extremely lucky where we live. We have Long Beach. That's right around the corner. And that Mm -hmm. is such a hub for LGBTQIA support. Like, they have trans people on their city council. And, like, it's just the whole city is, like, they do a big pride festival every year. Like, it's just – it that whole city just breathes support for that community. And it's so wonderful to have that, you know, right there. I honestly, I can't imagine living somewhere where, and and not having that. So that must be like so difficult, so hard. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I mean, I have friends that have to be closeted for safety reasons. So, and that, and that, that factors over for like family situations, um, especially, you know, if it's um, like co-parenting through divorce and separation. So that that can be something that, you know, we have to work through as well. So switching gears over to the special needs side of it, are there other or different tools that you use to help with families that have special needs? So with special needs families, we work through the same five tools. Um, With special needs, um, one of the additional resources that we'll add in um, with communication, a big struggle can be with nonverbal families. Um, And just really focusing on self-care for parents. Um, And again, just having that empathy and experience and resources. um, Actually, one of the biggest uh, inspirations for starting my business came from um, a little girl that I worked with for years and years and years through daycare. Um, and I actually, I got her permission. I got mom's permission to talk about her. Um, her name was Kennedy and she was in my, uh, daycare class. She was in my two-year-old class. She was six years old. 
and she uh, was she's still nonverbal. Um, she was not walking. She could crawl. She was. Um, they said she was developmentally about six months old. And um, mom had pulled her out of kindergarten um, because she had felt very frustrated. The school had basically said that she was incapable of learning. Oh, um, and that she would never, she basically wouldn't, wasn't going to grow, wasn't going to develop. Um, and a lot of the, the teachers um, were very intimidated to working with her, but I, I absolutely fell in love with her. Um, she was just the most loving little girl and um, just completely took to her. And I worked with her and that was my little girl. She was basically my school daughter. And um, they said that she wasn't going to walk. And maybe it's just the Cuban in me. But if you tell me that I can't do something, I'm just going to have to prove you wrong. Because <laughs> um, as soon as you tell me I can't, I'm going to. And at seven years old, she, um, I'm going to try not to cry, took her first steps Aww. into my arms um, at the daycare. And I got it on video and sent it to her mom. And... Um, working with her physical therapist and working with her speech therapist, they she they would ask her questions and she could indicate um, important people in her life. She would point to pictures of me. She would point to pictures of her um, parents. We were working on some signing, but it was very difficult for her. Um, and mom was was she was frustrated. But she needed someone that believed in her and believed in her daughter and was not going to give up on them. She needed to feel like she was part of a team and not just trying to do it on her own. Exactly. And today, Kennedy walks on her own. That's great. That's amazing. That is fantastic. She, the last time I saw her, she held my hand and led me around the park showing me where she wanted to go. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I still, like, it gives me goosebumps and it makes me cry every single time because I worked so hard and I was not going to let anyone tell me that that little girl was not going to walk because I knew that she could and I was not going to give up on her. And that's exactly what I see happening over and over again. And just because she can't talk, just because she crawls and she plays with baby toys doesn't mean that she's not a beautiful, bright person. She is so full of attitude and personality. She gets, when I see her and I haven't seen her in a while, she makes sure she, she lets me know that I haven't seen her and she is not happy with me for that. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, it's the same, you know, it's the same five tools. We're working through the options. We're working through what are people telling you? Are people telling you that your child can't learn? Do you believe that? What does your intuition tell you? Because my intuition is telling me that that's not true. Yeah. And that we can't give up on them. 
my intuition would say you're not seeing the right specialists find somebody else who's going to be supportive and find find a community who's going to support exactly. you and and be on your side and cheer you on and help you when they can exactly so what are some common struggles that you see um, a lot of special needs families having that you often help with? Um, caregiver burnout. There are so much that the parents, the caregivers, that we are left to deal with on our own. Um, my daughter has sensory processing disorder. Um, she is definitely on the autism spectrum. She also has ADHD. Um my youngest one is three. She is not diagnosed with ADHD, but she takes a lot after her older sister. <laughs> and um, it is exhausting keeping up with them sometimes. And when the doctors aren't listening, um, you know, and I know I see it with Kennedy, when the doctors aren't listening, when you're constantly having to fight to get them to listen, when the um, the team is not working with you, it does burn you out. And that's where self-care comes into play, especially when you do have a child that does require more help, that you do really have to put more, more and more of yourself into, then you do, you do need that self-care. And it is really hard as a parent to, to step away and sometimes take that break. Um, isolation and judgment. Um, I know that that is a struggle of um, other adults looking at your kids, making judgmental comments more so than kids. Because kids, kids might ask questions, but they're generally, they don't understand. They're curious. Exactly. Um my kids, for example, they grew up with Kennedy. They know that that they call her the, her their little sister, even though she's older than them. Um, and they know that they're not quite the same, but that's okay. But the other adults are where the the isolation and judgment can come from. Um, Nonverbal communication is very difficult, um, and that can be even just for toddlers if they're not talking, but, um, for special needs families, when you're at that age, when they quote unquote should be talking and they're not, um, not that can be really difficult being afraid of asking for help. Um, especially if you feel like your parenting is going to be judged for it, it can be really hard. Um, and then just discouragement. If you feel like, you know, if you're asking for help, you're just going to be judged that, well, you're just not parenting the right way. You're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. I feel like all of this leads back into this kind of downward spiral loop of more and more isolation, but it's not just isolation. It's also loss of identity for the parents or the yes. caregivers because they end up spending so much of their time taking care of the needs of this other person or people if they have multiple children that they often don't, like you said, the burnout, they don't have the time mm -hmm. and energy capacity to take care of themselves a lot of time or to do things specifically for themselves to fill their cup back up. And so they lose their self identity. 
and their whole world begins to revolve around the people that they're taking care of. And that can be really detrimental in the long run. And I say this from personal experience (laughs) (laughs) that um, I'll talk about my younger kid again, because (laughs) my younger kid um, is the one that I seem to um, have all of these things with. Um, Teddy was born with a congenital heart defect and needed open heart surgery at four days old. Um, has had a couple other interventions since then. We'll continue to need interventions. We'll need to have a stint put in at some point. Once we're we're hoping once they're a little bigger, we're hoping we can hold off because they're mm-hmm. very petite. Um, and around the time Teddy turned three, um, I was completely fried. I had mm. tried to go back to work and had severe postpartum depression. And was calling out of work all the time because I was so worried about, you know, my baby that I had just gotten home from the hospital um, after that first open heart surgery. And and it was this spiral of I would quit my job. I would try and stay home for a little while. We would realize that I needed to go back to work because we needed the money. So I would go back to work for, you know, a few more months or a year. And then I'd quit my job and I'd try to find something else. And, and it was this cycle until Teddy was about three. And at that point, I I told their dad, we, we were still together at that time. I was like, look, for my birthday, I'm going swing dancing. I'm going to get a lesson package and I'm going to go swing dancing once a week because I need to be out of the house. And at that point, I was a stay-at-home mom, um, but I was also um, homeschooling our five-year-old. Well, she was five at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was with the kids 24-7, every day, all day. I hadn't been away from the kids in a couple years. They, you know, they didn't spend the night with grandma or grandpa or anything like that. It was, it was me there all the time. So it wasn't until I started swing dancing again two years ago that I was like, oh my God, I am a person. These people here at the swing dancing classes that I was taking they know me as me and not as the mom of Charlotte and Teddy. They, they don't know my kids. They only know me as this person. And it was this very liberating sense of self again that I had really lost. And yeah, since then I'm doing a lot better and I'm better, (laughs) not great, but better about the rest of the self-care and I'm better to come to my kids as, as a mom and not have all of the rest of that, you know, weighing me down as well. Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, one of the, the really important things, you know, when you're taught, when we're talking about, you know, our action plan and learning and growing is, you know, your action plan can't be focusing only on how am I going to handle this one situation? Because it's all part of it. If you don't have the communication, if you don't have the connection, and if you don't have your own self, if you're not filling your own cup, if you don't have every part of that, it's not all going to work. Yeah. And part of it is just sometimes you just need to have someone tell you that it's okay. You need the family coach to say, 
yeah, take the swing dancing class. Take the time to be not a mom for 30 minutes. Yeah. It's important. (laughs) Yeah, it's... To tell you what you know. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's... You're driving a car and you get burnt out. You get a flat tire. So what do you do? You put a spare on. Okay, you put a Band-Aid on it. You go take a bath the one day. You drink a glass of wine. But you're only going to get so far on that spare. So Mm -hmm. you need to go get a whole new set of tires. Make sure your oil's changed in your car. Keep that car up and running so that it can keep carrying you down the road. And that's you taking care of yourself so that you can get everybody going where you're going on life on this journey. Absolutely. And then modeling as well those behaviors for your family because when you're modeling those self-care behaviors, when you're modeling filling your own cup, when you're modeling self-regulation and emotional stability, your your children are watching those as well. Yes. Yes. But a lot of that is needing to make sure you have the support system around you to give yourself that time. Yes. Mhm. Yeah, like it's a it all it all feeds each other in a loop. So you can either be going up that loop or down that spiral. Yes. So Ellie, what is your dream for the birth community? So what I would love to see is just that it continues to grow um, into just this inclusive, supportive community that we're all building and supporting each other, which is why I think what you're doing is so wonderful because it doesn't matter if you're the birth doula, if you're the chiropractor, nutritionist, if you're whoever you are, we're all working together to support each other. Um, Because my portion is going to support your portion, is going to support their portion. It all works together. And the more that we support from the early beginnings, that prenatal, that zero to five, that stronger beginning, the better foundations we have, we're going to have just the more support for our future generations that we're going to be healing the world a little bit at a time. I picture all of the birth workers and the parenting experts and all of these people that we have come on the podcast and share their expertise as we're all threads creating and weaving Mm -hmm. together this literal support net to catch you when you need us and to help bounce you back to keep going forward. That's what we are. And so the more of us that you have in your pocket at your disposal, you know how to reach out to, you know how to get help from these people when you need it, the better you're going to be, the better you're going to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you're describing it as a net because we, it's not one person can't do it all alone. No. I'm not, I don't know all of it. I can't be, you know, the expert in everything. I can't, I can't support everyone on my own, but what I can do is guide in my area. I can support in my area and then have those resources that I can then show and support and link with. Yes. 
Yeah. And that's what we've said about the podcast. You know, when, when Taylor and I were coming up with this idea and, and talking it out, you know, we were just like, we can't like, sure. We could put together educational episodes on our own, but honestly, we're not the experts in all these fields. We want to have the experts come on and share their expertise. Those are the people that our listeners need to be hearing from. We don't have all the answers. I'm going to come back to that. I don't have all the answers. I don't know it all. But you know what I do know how to do? I know how to network. I know how to find the people that you need to hear from. That's what a doula does. A doula comes in, supports you, helps connect you with the people that you need, supports you through labor with the methods that you need. But what you need, you need to tell us. You tell us what you need. Here, we got you. We'll figure it out. I love it. (laughs) I'll get down off my soapbox now. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I mean, former birth doula here. I absolutely love it. I got chills. (laughs) So Ellie, we've talked a lot about self-care and taking care of ourselves. What is one thing you're going to do for yourself this week? Um, I'm going to try to get back out on the river. I've been big in kayaking. Um, that's kind of my, my little meditative space is being out on the water. Um, I just did a four hour kayak this past weekend, um, made it almost to North Carolina. So if I can get out on the river, even just for an hour and just kind of be out in my element in my little floating meditative space, then I'm happy. Nice. What about you? What are you going to do for yourself? (laughs) Um, I I recently joined TikTok. <laughs> so I have been making TikTok videos about um I was pretty recently diagnosed with ADHD and autism. Um and so I have been making some videos um talking about my experiences with that, about being diagnosed as an adult. Um I'm 31 years old. I was only diagnosed a few months ago and looking back at my life and how these things affected me and I flew under the radar. Um, so I've been sharing stuff like that and crafting and, you know, my, my hyper fixations and things, but, um, so yeah, TikTok has been my happy place this past couple of weeks. <laughs> I love it. What about you, Taylor? I'm going to take a nice long bath. Just yes. nice bath bomb, just soak, just relax for a little bit because it's been kind of crazy lately. Nice. So, Ellie, where can our listeners find you? Like Instagram, websites, etc. Um, so on Instagram, I am at more.ellie. Um, and you can find me on my website at rainbowfamilycoaching.com. Or you can find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Rainbow Family Coaching. And I also have a Facebook group that is also Rainbow Family Coaching. Um, Oh, and I forgot to mention on my website, I actually have right now a freebie that is a uh, task management tool. So uh, one of the things that um, I know that I find Um, Being neurodivergent myself is that I have a really hard time um, breaking down tasks into manageable chunks. So I have created a uh, task management tool that I am sharing um, as a freebie with everyone. If you go to my website, you can um, just share your email address 
with me on the website and you can download my task management freebie. Ooh, I will definitely be checking that out. Same. And I will link to all of those uh, ways to contact you, Instagram, website, Facebook, um, all of that on the show notes for this episode. So if you're looking to connect with Ellie, check out the show notes and I'll have links to all of uh, how to get in contact with her. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us today ellie it was so great to have you i love geeking out about all this kind of stuff i love it so much i have the best job yes thank you so much <laughs> um so thank you so much for coming on we loved having you on and to our listeners thank you guys so much for tuning in again and we'll see you guys next time bye 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 Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and makes sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.